0: Hi, this is Tony Silva and Charles Wiz, and it's episode 88, Two Teachers Talking. Charles and I get together to talk about teaching English in Japan, Um, all the fun, all the frustrations, and uh, things that we've learned, discovered, and want to share, and questions that we've gotten, things that we just don't know about. Today, um, we're talking about uh, things that we've learned in the past year or so, so... Probably a very short episode. <laughs> Charles. Okay. Or oh, well, no, we'll <laughs> just pretend that we actually know
1: things. That's what I. That's what I tend to do. Okay. Rule number one of teaching: pretend that you actually know what you're doing. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, there okay, we go. There, yeah. There's the episode, and we'll be talking <laughs> to you. Have a good week. <laughs> yeah, it's a good question, isn't it, Tony? All right. What do we, those? How do you really articulate all those things that we really know, but? don't even have awareness sometimes, I think. So that yeah. wasn't it when you brought up the subject, I thought that's oh, that's kind of interesting. So why don't
0: we let you run with it? Let's, so we're doing our one of our lightning round things today, right? Oh yeah, so yeah, yeah, bounce off. I'll do one, you do one, I'll do one, you do one, something like that. And why don't you do one, you do
1: one, you do one, you do one? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what I'd prefer. Okay. I'll do my first one. I know one, you'd is, prefer that. <laughs> okay, let me do my first one, which is always put the load on the other person. Okay. Mm. Tony, your turn. All
0: right.
1: <laughs> so why don't you start us off?
0: Okay. Well, some some of these things are very, very detailed and practical. Some of them like really big and they're like not in any order whatsoever. So just, uh, it's a, it's a wild hodgepodge of stuff. So, um, something that, um, my students have taught me this year, um, again, maybe, is that, um, the observation yet, yeah, actually there's a, there are a lot of students who really, Don't laugh now. There's a lot of students that really... Wait, you're laughing already. You can't tell me not to laugh. No, no, no,
1: no, no. I'm not accepting that. Yes, you
0: have. Okay, you're right. I am. Okay, start over. (laughs) Accept beyond that. Accept it. Live with it. (laughs) There's a lot of students that actually do want to learn. There's a lot... They don't necessarily want to work hard, but um, I'm kind of struck struck this year, but look, they actually are interested in learning
1: you know, tony i think you nailed it you nailed it it's, it's perfect it's perfect they want to learn they just don't want to work at it mm. or work think, for it right
0: Good. or know call. how to Good know call. know how to do it or yeah or just like oh no no, no they don't get di- the big picture right those are different students mm. we can i think you're
1: right you can look at the students who want to learn but don't want to work the students who want to learn but don't know how, and the students who want to learn and are going to learn despite you.
0: Okay, that's nice. I like that.
1: Right, and those are three different categories. Yeah. So let's go with the one you're talking about first, which is the ones who want to learn but maybe don't want to work.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm just you know, looking at my classes and things, and you, 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 you know, you get a sense that okay, this kid's engaged. This kid's not. This kid's with you. They're not. Um, but um. Watching and you know watching them and also with looking at what they've written. This happened to be I'm, I'm thinking of like a reading writing class right now, and uh, reading what they've written and stuff. It's like well, this is kind of curious. This is not not what I would have predicted. And they seem you know they'll they'll you no know, roll their eyes and moan and stuff when you give them like too much you know what they think is too much work to do. But they they're in the classroom and they're actually interested in in learning so it's i kind of had to you know remind myself of that because you kind of go in there with a with an attitude it's like okay <laughs> you know i'm gonna force this stuff down your throat and it's like well you know you can take you make more of an aikido <laughs> approach to this kind of thing so, well actually they've got an intent or a desire to to learn and if you can kind of use that energy and flip it around uh you maybe find another route to success. I don't know. That's, that's what I got.
1: Yeah, it's a good point because it's easy to go in sometimes and when you're dealing with these general ed classes where there are students who are taking English and they just don't want to be there, and I can completely understand that. But when you have that student who wants to learn but is not willing to make too much of an effort, those... Can cause me some kind of trouble. <laughs> <So put it laughs> right? You know, because it's like you want to learn, but you're not willing to make an effort to learn. So you've done all your learning, and and then you have to say, oh, okay, that's why Japanese people talk about active learning <laughs> because these students maybe believe that learning is a passive thing, and if they just sit there, they can absorb it. But I don't think so. Um,
0: but for a lot of them, that's been their experience so far, right? Oh. This is
1: we could do a whole episode about unlearning.
0: we, pr- we probably have <laughs> de learning <laughs> decompression, right,
1: detoxing, <laughs> detoxification. Well we've talked, I think, about the learn dependency before, yeah, and that's what we're really fighting, and I think what you have is maybe. The student who appears not to be willing to work is actually someone who's just been really indoctrinated for lack of a better word Mm -hmm. into the teacher providing all the knowledge and they just have to sit there and absorb the Mm -hmm. idea that you'd actually have to get up stand up and actually walk across the classroom and talk to another student for some students is a real surprising thing (laughs) yeah 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 right so maybe that explains that and then if you move to the students who want to learn but don't know how i think those are the students where we could really have the most effect And I was helping those students figure out what those little things they can do that'll help them learn. So, yeah. okay. So that's one thing you've learned is that there are students who want to learn. Mm. Okay. You... Uh, is it already my turn? Your turn. Wait, you didn't talk enough. Uh, I did. No, you didn't.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I argument. want you, as I tell my students, I want you <laughs> to talk. I don't want to talk. I want you to work. I don't want to work. Um, I would go back to say that I'm just one of the things I'm, noticing more and more is the students just don't know how to learn they don't know how to you know my assumption is that if i don't know how to do something i google it if i don't understand something i google it if i don't know something it's up to me to do that and that for students that if they don't know something they will a good proportion a good um, percentage of the students will stop at that point and so yes. it's very important to Drill them, drill them, drill them, drill them, drill them. And I'll bring this one up again. This is my my in-out theory. Um, that you have to teach them to always Google. And that's what I think. That's my short take on it.
0: Well, that, that uh, students don't know how to learn, that was, that was also an item on, on my list. Um, and, yeah, another reminder to self that early on in the academic year, uh, a little bit of energy, like as you just said, like, you know, to, to go to the Google or in any way, like just to get that that impulse to stop. Right. As you just said, they don't know. They just stop. They don't have they're too shy or reticent or to ask even ask the question, which I which I know we, we think differently I don't mind them asking. So like, yeah, you could please ask me stupid questions. I'm happy with that. It's like, it shows some motivation. It shows some, some interest. It's like, yeah. And it might be- what It I shows you're not sleeping a, in class. A really stupid, yeah, right. <laughs> awake, like, you're like, awake. Oh, like, I haven't fine. put you to like, sleep yet. And, you know, and again, you t- to you know, cliche, you're turning into a learning moment. It's like, okay, good. It's like, okay, you don't know this. Like, well, okay, where might we find, <laughs> where, where might we, how would we maybe figure out a way to get an answer to this question? Where would we look? What do you think? And, uh, yeah, turning that around and teaching them how to do that early on in the year i mean pays big dividends down down the road right <laughs> but you know it's there's I, a big we, bud I, f- there. big you know there's finite amount of time in those classes, and you've got you know there's a ninety minutes and there's x number of kids, and there's all kinds i mean there's so much to do to go back to something that they should have been taught, you know, years ago, years ago. Um just makes, you know, adds to the plate. <laughs> it makes it makes the job a little harder, makes you a little more tired at the end of the day. But there you go. And that's what you do. But again, if you can do that early in the year and if you can like take that individual uh incident and generalize it to the class, Some kids will pick it up. And if you can foster that kind of environment in the classroom by the end of the first semester, hopefully uh, some of that has kicked in and uh, people are able to do a little more independent learning.
1: Okay. I'm going to add on to this a little bit later. So I actually sound like I have like an original thought, (laughs) but I'll do that later. Okay. Later. Okay. Your Your
0: turn. Again? Oh, did you just go? No, no, that was yours that was mine It was See, yours it was it was on my list but, okay, <laughs> uh, but so you, one of the things you, you took precedence sneaky, yeah, you, you things,
1: sneaky things teachers can do. <laughs> you didn't answer the question yet <laughs> go it's i think it's your turn
0: my it's it's a it's a little bit related to that to my my first point but it i think it's different um to listen, there it, it, it was the precipitative event was 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 the same. Listen carefully to the noisier, disruptive students. Um, It's easy to, and again, this is like a a maybe, you know, novice teachers have a much harder time with this. Um, Experienced teachers have, some of us have a higher comfort level with like giving the students a longer leash. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to mistake. Uh, a noisy disruptive student is someone who's just trying to be a pain in the ass. Um, and when in fact might be actually a very bright, uh, capable student who's just bored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. again, this is, you know, I, this is one guy I've got in mind. It, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting dynamic in the class. He's, he's, uh, you know, at first, first glance, he's he's a jerk. Uh, and um, incredibly, because you know, you know, male feel female interaction is such a rarity in our classes, right? Um, he has uh has a thing going on in class with um one one girl in class who's um cheerful and very active, totally without any English language skill whatsoever. Um, even to the point where, like, she, and she'll ask questions, and I'll answer in the simplest English I can, and she'll say, I'm sorry, teacher, I don't understand your English. And her friends around her are saying, you got to be kidding. <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you? She's like, you didn't understand that. And then when they're telling she he said, blah, blah, blah. you know, They're explaining it in Japanese. She says, that's so easy. How come you didn't understand it? And she's totally without any English ability whatsoever. And this guy sits in back of her um, who very easy to write off is like, you know, the class clown, like the jerk uh, and stuff. And it's like, and again, it was one of his essays and it's like, he, this is, he's not an English major. He wants to learn English. He wants to go, he wants to live in and, and study in the United States. Never would have guessed that from classroom behavior. The mm-hmm. last guy, the last guy you would accept, ex- expect to have an interest in like living in the United States. And I was like, geez, this is this is something here for me to look at because I, I was ready to write this guy off.
1: It's really easy to forget that we see them in a classroom situation, and that is just one very small aspect of their personality oh, and who yeah. they are. Ain't it? That's kind Ain't of like, it's like, excuse me, do you think I'm the same person at home that I am in the classroom?
0: Sure, and we're as guilty of it as they are.
1: <laughs> or even more, I think. Yeah. We have yeah. the act, because we've practiced the act a whole lot more yeah in the same you know classroom in the same i mean i
0: mean uh, the mistake of like assuming that (laughs) we're seeing them as they really are right in the classroom yes
1: yeah i know exactly what you mean there's a i have had a couple of kids and you just think students and you think that they're just punks and you stop and you think i have no it's just a behavior and you know i always try to remind myself that correlation does not mean causation and especially with behavior and indications of who people are and giving a kind of some kind of alternative task where they can write or they can produce something or create something sometimes you get really surprised and you get to see that that kid you thought was unmotivated is actually just bored out of their mind yeah yes yeah. that's the most common one by the way i find out that what a student's acting out is just that they're really really bored and then i have to determine are they bored because it's way above their level or way under their level mm-hmm. and usually you, if once you can figure that out then you can find some way to deal with the underlying problem, which is, you know, I'm bored because of, I either know the material too well and it's repetitive or I don't. I have a girl like that in one of my classes right now. She's kind of sarcastic and says some kind of pseudo rude things. And it's because she's her English is pretty much better than anybody else's in the class and mm. she's just bored going through the the motions. So, okay, is it my turn now? It's your turn. Okay. I'm going to start this one off by saying once is not enough. Twice is not enough. <laughs> Three times is there is nothing that they are going to learn the first time you teach it. And I use the best example of this are manners. Thank you. You're welcome. You know, handing papers back. And the other one is, um, as I've mentioned before, I'm very um insistent about manners is that I expect students to always say thank you nice talking with you before they stand up and walk away from when we they their group members or their partner and going into week 7 week 8 so i figure okay week 8 they've we do about four different rotations five rotations per class so let's go minimum let's say 3 after a 24 to 30 times that they've finally finally maybe are you know i'm 75 compliance that they remember to say thank you nice talking with you without me reminding them you can't teach it once you can't teach it twice so when you talk about googling this is what i meant before when you were talking about teaching them how to google or teaching them how to f- solve the problem you got to do it again and you got to do it again and you got to do it again and you cannot do it too often because they're going to forget it's just the way They don't take notes, a lot of students. So you have to reinforce that. And for example, teaching them to take notes, right? Uh, New word, is it a new word? Everybody, who's a new word? Raise your hand, everybody raises their hand, you say, where's write it down where's your pen where's your pencil right so they write it down then you put another new word on the board nobody writes it down you know what i'm talking <laughs> yes, right so you stop and say okay pick up your pens or pencils or your phone enter it put it down write it down okay and then by about the 10th week you go new word <laughs> they finally like start reaching for their pencil or pens so yeah always um you gotta i guess it's drill and kill to some degree but it's um yeah i guess it's a matter of looking at what habits do they need, habits of mind, or what habits do they need to develop. And creating new habits requires a lot of repetitions.
0: That's uh, really well put. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say that probably, I'm guessing, I don't know. I don't don't know what my biggest weakness is, but that certainly is among my um, biggest biggest weaknesses, is not enough repetition of, of anything. Whether it's like the actual like like a micro learning skills like you, like you just like like talked about like writing down a new word, or whether it's something that you actually part that's actually part of the quote unquote lesson, um, enough repetition, uh, going back and enough review and over and over again that's that's something where I often um, come up short. I think.
1: Well, now nobody I think's talked about the fact that. It takes so much energy to teach, and there's just some times where you you just don't have that little bump of energy to walk clear across the room and write down that word on the board. Mm. You know, you've taught, because people, especially part-timers, teaching three, four classes a day, five days a week, by the time Thursday rolls around, most of the teachers I know have really expended an incredible amount of energy. And they're tired. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's the funny thing to That's just a quick aside. I don't know about other people and what's going on in other countries in the States, but most of the people I know who are teachers, I'd say like 75, 80% are really committed, hardworking people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I'm always amazed when people talk about lazy teachers, but um, it's it's a tiring thing. So I'm just saying that, you know, there are times when I know that I should repeat something or I should reinforce a behavior and I'm just sitting there working <laughs> with the student and I'm thinking, okay, I just don't have the energy to stop the class, explain something real quickly and then get them restarted. Or I'm thinking, is it really worth breaking the flow? So, yeah, but, yeah, that too. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm very guilty of not doing re- reinforcing. I just reinforce the simple stuff now that I find it's going to make my life easier, but it is habits of mind. And you know, they have so many, I I hate to say this, but they have so many bad habits. Mm-hmm. They have so many bad habits, and the worst habit they have—the one that makes me nuts—is that if I'm a nice guy, they won't study. But if I turn into a, you know, a strictness monster and give them tests that they fail, and I start failing students, suddenly everybody, I get a much higher compliance rate. So mm. I hate that one the most. But okay, your turn.
0: Okay, well that's interesting. That seeks very nicely into my next point. Um, anger. What? (laughs) (laughs) Anger can be really useful if used sparingly. Mm. Um, You got to be very careful with it and you got to do it very sparingly. But anger, if either uh, you can get the students to care about how you feel, Okay, you've got to, you gotta can establish this kind of relationship with your class where, if they see that you're angry at their poor performance, um, they actually feel it. Or, <laughs> or um, if they the completely different situation, different kind of relationship um, with a class, or if they understand that there will be consequences. Um anger real or feigned uh can also be a useful tool um again just to say again and again and again sparingly <laughs> use sparingly and with caution uh but um something that i've seen is like i i can't remember wh- exactly which class it was but it was like they they just like you know they were just very disappointing Perform, you know, no one, no one, whatever. No one was ready. They, they, they you know, they're supposed to have met presentations. They were, you know, everyone just reading off a piece of paper poorly. um And then, you know, just like Hercules was like, oh, he's getting angry. He's getting, and then, I, and I, I, I was just like disappointed. I was like, oh, Jesus, these jerks. Um, you know, he's getting angry. He's getting angry. And they all was like started like they, they all started like tr- trying. to hear the papers rustling, and they're all trying to do different things. And it's like, oh, this is interesting. It matters to them that, that I was disappointed or angry. It's like, okay, I'm logging this, <laughs> say this one. It's like, okay, we'll pull this one out of the hat. Like in sometime in the fall again, when, when I, they, they let me down again. So um, kind of interesting to, to see that and to be reminded of it's like, okay, this is um, something that maybe I can use in the future uh, to, uh, to get, get some more, to get, get, get them produce a little bit more.
1: It's funny because I did get really angry at one student this week. And I was not feigning anger, uh-huh, but uh-huh. I have my students count off and I, you know, by, you know, if you have 36 students and I want to put them into groups of four, sure, you have them count sure. by nines and yep. it's
0: great. And
1: I use it also as pronunciation practice, timing yep. practice, stress mm-hmm. practice. So this one girl, and she always comes into class, always comes into class with an attitude. I think she's just been angry ever since I told her to put her cell phone away and stop texting while I'm talking.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: one of those students. Mm-hmm. And just... Always has come in with an attitude and okay, you know, if you have an attitude, I'm just not going to not going to pay much attention. I'll notice it, but I'm pretty much have ignored it for eight, nine weeks now. And we're working on TH sounds and she ends up being the person who gets stuck on like three Mm -hmm. and she does three. And then I said, no, I said, it's three. And she gave me one of those, you know, rolled her (laughs) eyes up into her head and actually just, you know, just mm-hmm. went mm-hmm. Ugh, ugh. you know one of those things right yeah and i just stopped and said you you and i pointed at her because i was angry and one of the things i've learned is that if i want to change that behavior um you need to shame that person uh-huh. i hate to say it but there's a real difference between guilt and shame
0: uh-huh uh-huh, uh-huh. and you know uh-huh. i
1: where i'm going with this one i don't think People, students have a sense of guilt the way we understand it. Correct. You know, whereas I'd feel really guilty and you'd feel bad for a couple of days. You know, and so this student, and it's really interesting what you just said, Tony, because I just really got angry at her. You know, I pointed her and said, you, you, I stopped the class. You do not do that to me. You do not do that to anybody. You do not show, you know, and she understood anything except the tone of my voice. Mm -hmm. Class is totally dead. Now, the amazing thing is, I then said, OK, fine, three. And we went off and they counted. I've never seen her so active in group work before. <laughs> uh, and that saddens me in a way that. Uh,
0: yeah, I know. I yeah, you know. Mean. But,
1: the, but the point of it is it's reality because it's in a culture where you're not supposed to show anger.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And my argument has been that these students have been doing this for a while. They've been disrespectful to teachers and the teachers just ignore it. And nobody's giving them any feedback in their future lives, which is going to be my next point about Mm -hmm. (laughs) that. But um, I could segue into that. Should I just segue into that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that um, some people might argue with me about this, but this is what I've really learned in a long time, is that it's your responsibility to teach them the things that no other teacher is going to teach. You got to figure out what things you're teaching that are going to help them in their lives in the future. And it doesn't necessarily have to be purely related to English teaching or language learning, but it's you got to make sure that you're teaching them some things that you're reasonably sure nobody else is going to teach them and they're not going to get from anywhere else. And for me, those are the thank you, you're welcome, excuse me, thank you, nice talking with you, thank you, nice working with you, for example making sure that they immediately learn that when they sit down in a group, they do their aisatsus. Hello, good morning. How are you? Every teacher has to be able to gift them with something. And so hopefully in some kind of cumulative effect that they're learning things because our job in a certain way is to equalize the dis inequality in societies, right? So some, you get a kid and like, I'm going to brag about my own kid. My wife and I drilled our daughter in manners, you know, thank you. You're welcome. Excuse me, please. I'm a teacher. So when I go to teacher conferences, the first thing everybody says to me is, you know, Hey, Mr. Wiz, it's a pleasure having your daughter in class, but there are parents who don't teach their kids that now
0: that is true.
1: (laughs) Right. And the kids who have parents who teach them that are at such, you know, they're running a marathon and they're starting halfway ahead of the other kids. So things like manners, um, being polite, knowing how to engage or interact with people kind of equalizes a lot of the inequality that happens between parents and economic status, right? So, but it also might be other things. It might be teaching students how to use Google or how to be independent learners or how to work in groups. But you have to figure out something you have to give them something that regardless of how weak your teaching is or how ineffective your teaching is there's something that you can say yeah i know that i'm the only teacher doing this and i teach that and at least my students will come out of my class knowing this that will help them later on down the road so there yeah, that's what, i like that that's, nice yeah so what is the thing that you teach them that you give them but mm-hmm. there's quite a few things i think you're not just consciously yeah there's a, aware there's
0: of them. a maybe but i, I think consciously um, I think that I am able to create a classroom environment where finally they actually get to the point where they are not afraid to make mistakes or yes. not afraid to ask questions. Unbelievably
1: valuable. Right? Yes, yes, so yes. That touche.
0: And um, a way of integrating the linguistic part of the lessons with the cultural. And um, explaining why English is different this way than than Japanese is. Mm-hmm. Um, to case case in point, this, um, and I, I was blown away with this, and I was just so happy. It was so happy on so many levels. <clears throat> and uh, kids were in their groups, and they were you know discussing <clears throat> by by dictate of the textbook um, my best experience, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, talking about the past and, and your best experience in your life. <clears throat> I don't know how it came up. And, but one of the students says, hey, you know, I've got a question. It's like, why is it that the foreign teachers want to be called by their names? And why do the Japanese teachers want to be called sensei? It's like, oh God. It's like, Thank that's a really great, great question. Thank right. you for thank you for asking a question. It's like okay, so I pull up a chair and like they're, they're like like like,
1: just like overjoyed. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It's, it's like
0: oh damn, look at this. I guess they read my face and I pull up in a chair and it's like okay, here we go. I was like, you guys are first year students. Next year, I teach a class that's all about this this shit. It's like all all this stuff is like you you did, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, you want to be in my, and mm, you want to be in my class next year. And um had to explain and say like, okay in japan the role it's what's all what's a role it's like okay well this is your your slot your position it's like yeah for a japanese teachers like okay it, the most important thing is that you're sensei but for a foreign teacher most thing is like i'm tony my it's, it's a coaching techie individual thing is 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 primary and i'm a teacher second and and, 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 and and like you're just like soaking it all up it's like oh this is so to answer your question yeah to be able to Great and, and already right it's like the first semester for them to be able to formulate the question but then like have like a completely off topic <laughs> ask the question in class it's like oh, this is great That's like well, I, i'm uh, my work here is done <laughs> so that unique thing that to give like that right for them to be able to feel comfortable enough to ask a totally off topic question in class that's mm wonderful for me. That's uh, that's success. Right.
1: That's always good. And again, I think if someone asked me what would be the one thing I would say to a novice teacher is I say, learn that one thing that you're going to be able to gift your students that nobody else is going to be able to do, because at least minimally you've done that. And it has so much value because Mm -hmm. a lot of what we do can be taught by another person or a bot. which was yes yeah i was i I once had a job where i actually turned i had a listening class and basically it involved following this written script where it would just say hey push the button here push the button now read this right you know you know what i'm talking about and i actually turned to somebody and i said why don't you just hire a monkey you know and train the monkey to push the button you don't need a teacher for these kind of classes but anyway uh, they didn't like me very much.
0: <laughs> yeah. <well. laughs> but, like, getting, uh, there's like that I'm situation, that. right? Where you've got, like, this, this goofy-ass script, but there's all kinds of other stuff that you can throw in there, like, like listening skills, oh, of right? Of course, of course. Like, of course. Listen, listen into, like, a, a CNN or a BBC broadcast before your listening test, like, where there are people who are talking, like, normal speed, so that just like a, a batter with a weight on his bat before he goes up to bat, it's like, yeah. okay, the bats feel so light. It's like, okay, now if you listen to this other stuff before, it'll do this. Okay, if, if you can. Look at the look at the damn piece of paper. Read as much as you can. It gives you an idea what everything is about. You got a framework so you know what that what the questions are going to be. You know what to listen to. All kinds of different things. Even in that situation, right?
1: I'm Tony. I have no problem being able to run with those (laughs) situations and be creative. I was told not to do that. (laughs) I was told follow the lesson plan.
0: There you go. There you so go. That's why I was mentioning it. It's, and what 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 episode was it? Failure by design <laughs> it was earlier on. Huh? I was like in the, probably in the thirties. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah talking Fun. about
1: just a uh, um, failure, um, and you were talking about teaching students to feel okay about making mistakes and creating that environment. I started invoking the uh, Silicon Valley fail often, fail fast, or fail fast, fail often. Yep. 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 And I was doing this with um, a business administration group of students who are pretty advanced, pretty, you know, they're bright kids and they have pretty good English. And I said, OK, you guys know this from Silicon Valley, fail fast, fail often. And they go, no. And I said, what do you think? And they looked at it. I said, yeah, you know, you just make a mistake. You make a lot of mistakes. And they go, oh, good idea. So I go, is this a good idea? And they go, oh, yeah. And I go, no. And then I write on the <laughs> board. I write on the board fail after fail fast, fail often learn from it because <laughs> mm-hmm. I explained to them that if you fail fast and you fail often but you don't learn there's no point right and they all were oh okay so you know one of those good moments but mm-hmm. I think again figure out what your special gift to your students is are what I like those that. gifts are yeah yeah and really focus on that because we're not you're not teaching them really for the next class our, our responsibility especially uh this gets me going on the next topic so but our responsibility is really a long term horizon. It's not short term. So, yeah. anyway, I think it's your turn to go.
0: My turn? Oh, it's I think good. so. Because I, I got something that feeds right into this this failure idea.
1: And by the way, for the listeners, we have not even prepped for this show in the sense of even talking about how we're flowing, right?
0: Yeah, and it's, 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 the flow it's working is good.
1: very nicely today. Yeah. yeah. It feels nice when it works, doesn't it? Mm hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so those odd occasions. Yeah. yeah, talking about well, the podcast at least. Was I don't know about my classes, ask my students. Okay. Anyway, go ahead.
0: So this is something that we talked about before, but um they it was a they it's a podcast and it was rebroadcast and it and it fits right in with with today's topic, but this is that um you are not so smart podcast and uh in uh, one of That's the episodes That's not for me. That's obviously not a podcast for me. <laughs> The
1: guy's pretty good. What's his name?
0: Uh, Dave uh, McCreary? Yeah,
1: Dave McCreary. It's a real, we talked about this. It's a really great podcast until he gets to the cookie part, right?
0: Yeah, we, I, yeah, yeah. Anyway, forget, that's forget no the worried. cookies. Forget the cookies, okay. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, sorry. But this was this was the the study, and, and the, the title of it is Weird, which is yes, yes, white yes. something something. No, no, no,
1: and, no, no, no. Western, educated, okay. industrialized, rich, and developed.
0: There you go, thank you. Countries.
1: There yeah. you go. Weird people.
0: And yeah, and then like all psychological psychological studies are based, you know, they're not using college students as <laughs> their sample group. So all the all this the, the whole body of psychological <laughs> psychological research is applicable only to, <laughs> 18 to American American students from eighteen to twenty two.
1: Yeah, you know, <laughs> and I'm not any different than I was in eighteen to twenty two, especially in levels of confidence, right?
0: <laughs> well, whatever oh, 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 dear. Oh, let, let you hung smoke. yourself out there to try. i'm, gonna, myself leave out I'm to dry. gonna leave you swinging in the wind there i have learned absolutely nothing
1: since <laughs> i was in kindergarten you know that book that says You're everything learn i from learned
0: mistakes this is a mistake thing this is learning from mistakes come on but, but you know that book everything I, I learned
1: everything i learned i learned in kindergarten yeah and you know you know most people are kind of going now nah, i don't think that really works <laughs> i'm kind of like uh is there anything after i'm <laughs> sorry Oh God, sometimes I feel like I haven't learned anything. Anyway, go ahead. So the um <laughs> weird people and eighteen well, to twenty year old Western right.
0: Yeah, it was that it was that uh study that they compared like uh, I think American students and Japanese students in the way that the, the very different way that they responded to failure. Yes. And uh the uh, the American students like halfway through the thing, it's like they were given their test results and um Half of them had like been given like a really difficult <laughs> test, so their scores were terrible. And the other ones got an easy test and their scores were high. Um then the, then they they created this diversion. It's like, oh we we got a problem. You just play with the computers. And then you, there's a computer game, you just go play the computer game. And the students who were six had like the easy test and had like high scores kept trying 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 with this computer game the students who did miserably because they had such a hard test gave up but the results were com- opposite right. for the japanese students the ones who did well stopped trying and the ones who had the lower scores were motivated to keep trying 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 yeah, so but- from that sorry uh, so so from that i have become less hesitant to point out errors or weaknesses, in you know, in students' production, or whether in speaking, writing, I, like, I I'm, like, I'm, not, I'm starting to think of them not as, not, not like me. And it's like, okay, they, yeah, Westerners, yeah, this um, what, the, the self-image thing, and you know, whatever is like, important. It's like, no, this is the again they, they, from that episode. The brains are different. They develop differently. The culture is different, and it's like, yeah, um. Against your own instincts, go ahead and point out the errors that will have a bigger effect than saying, oh, good, you know, encouraging, oh, good job, good job. No, don't say good job. Say, listen, you you can do better on this part. You can work on this. This is like, oh, thank you, sensei, right? mm, um, Yeah, it's, you know, counterintuitive to me, uh, an American, uh, but that's what I've learned. Go. Sorry.
1: I guess I would just say you can never underestimate your own blindness.
0: Yeah. 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 You know,
1: my own cultural blindness. And, the, you know, you can never underestimate the number of assumptions I'm making. You can never underestimate the amount of assumptions I'm making. Right. <laughs> I can never underestimate those. Um, it's so true. It was a great study. And it really does point out that we really don't know a lot. And a lot of what we think to be true is not. And the, you know, that goes back again to the problem with replication studies that we're oh, seeing yeah. now.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Right. And um, just the incredible, incredible reactions of the um, there's just. Uh, we should do a whole episode. I think it's on a on executive control and bilinguals where the original study should indicated that bilinguals have a higher levels of executive control, let's say in the prefrontal cortex and somebody, I think an economist or actually a non educator or a non linguist went out and tried to replicate the study and couldn't replicate the same results. And the original author um, would not work with that person. And you know, the usual attacks, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Science is rational. Scientists are not. (laughs) Yeah. But I think that's a very good point is that you've got to figure out
0: how they work. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. You know, it's. And we're so
0: and, and we're so wrong so often.
1: <laughs> we're so often so wrong.
0: Speak for yourself. I'm. I am wrong. speaking I for am myself. I'm always <laughs> wrong.
1: I'm, all, I'm amazed. I, I, you know, I wonder if I really started keeping tally how, how rarely I'm right. <laughs> you know, that just, you know,
0: just. Now you might surprise yourself.
1: Yeah, I might get a, I might get three percent instead of one point five. That's, but I'm just saying, that's that double. I, <laughs> yes, that's like um, <laughs> half of my students in, in my class thought I was the greatest teacher on in the world. How many students did you have? Two.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, we've got to be careful with statistics. But I think that's a, a very good point: is that you've got to be aware of your biases. Got to be aware of just how different they are. And then I think I've mentioned this before in the podcast. I was Talking to um, some teachers, and one teacher asked me, Well, how do you deal with the culture gap between you and your students? And I actually said, You know, the biggest problem for me isn't the culture gap, it's the age gap now. That creates a larger culture gap. Yeah, actually, That's you know, for both students. of us, like
0: we, we've been here for so long, we've been here for so long. I mean, it's, <laughs> exactly. Yes, we've we've been, been here for, here so, for long. so long. <laughs> like, that Thanks. we're so much older, but we're also, we're so, you know, so, you know, used to being here that the culture gap is not really a thing. But the, but age, the gap age gap is, is getting worse right, and right, worse. Right,
1: because I keep getting older every year and they keep staying the same age. <laughs> right, when I started teaching, there was the gap between a freshman and myself was 12 years. Mm-hmm. Okay? The gap between a freshman and I now is 41 years. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's, it's 41 years or something. It's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So the, um, the age gap is really big. But I think, yes, being aware is really good. And I'm trying to think of something to say because I think it's my turn, right? It's your turn. It's my turn. Yeah. I think um, kind of riffing a little bit on what I was saying before, um, something I try to keep aware of is that we're in this for a long game. It's a long game we're playing. Mm. And I strongly feel and I think, you know, maybe we actually should do a podcast or we have done a podcast in this. Nobody knows what the future is like. We don't know how to teach our students properly for the future. We don't know how to prepare them for the future other than by teaching them how to think,
0: Mm -hmm. right,
1: and how to be independent learners and how to retrain themselves, how to reshape themselves, how to recreate themselves. If you're not doing that in your classroom, if you haven't focused on that somehow, if you're just going ahead and teaching them just to learn English, then I promise you – there's an incredibly high probability that nobody else is doing it either. For example, Tony, you and I have gone back and forth about machine translation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think I, yeah, we just um, exchanged that. That's the amazing thing about the Facebook bots, right? Yes. That the Facebook bots that were built to negotiate, they were programmed to negotiate, actually started developing their own language, non-human language to communicate. And, things are moving so quickly so fast that, you know, for example, should we be teaching our students how to use machine translation effectively in the same way that we accept the use of a dictionary? And I find that people's refusal to look at machine translation as a tool is probably similar to how people responded to using a dictionary to class. Remember the no dictionary rule?
0: Yes, and I also remember from my own education the no calculator rule.
1: (laughs) Yeah, now we would look at the no calculator rule and you'd kind of go, uh, okay, so I I mean, I I could use a slide rule, right? There was like the no slide rule rule, right? Mm. (laughs) So I think that we have to look at a long picture and ask yourself, how can I make sure that what I'm teaching in this classroom will have some positive and meaningful impact on the students later on down their lives? And independent teaching them how to be independent learners or teaching them how to google or teaching them how to Use machine translation effectively teaching them how to work together in groups effectively These are skills that they need in the english classroom or the language classroom They're going to need it to actually be effective learners, but it's also going to benefit them down the line And I just strongly I I see a lot of novice teachers not doing that not thinking about that Hmm. and actually, you know even More experienced teachers I get I get blank stares a lot of times when I talk to people by the way and on this topic the the most amazingly blank stares I get are from people who are um, at some of the universities I work at who are doing their masters in education haven't even considered this Hmm. this in fact I know that at one school that students can go through their entire program in pedagogy and never take a course in technology and education Nobody's actually, you know, Hmm. here's also what they're missing. They're missing a history of education theory and they're missing a future of education theory. Hmm. So again, I I think it's really important for teachers to think about the future of their students, ask themselves, how can I integrate skills that will help these students in the future into the classroom now? And you're going to find out that they are complementary and non-contradictory. So there. Hmm. That's what I
0: think. Hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. But yeah, it's um, well, yeah, we, That's my we talked a little bit today. <laughs> we we talked a little bit, yeah, in in previous episodes about like teaching for the future and it's like well, how do you do that when you don't know right what it's going to be. But you know the, the the basic skills we talked about, yeah, again, um, how to learn, how to do things, and uh I'm kind of saddened and surprised by the fact that you're not not seeing that more i I don't have that kind of contact with the, with with that aspect of education like you know ed, education classes and training teachers and so forth and so on that's kind of disturbing oh it's more than disturbing uh, <laughs> right mm.
1: you know for example i mean and let me just even go in a non technical way
0: sure sure if sure. i
1: if I ask um some students let's say and they're um learning about language learning and language teaching, and I say so. Why was Pitt Quarter's 1967 article on the significance of learner errors important? And I think that's a reasonable question, right? I think any, people we know in our age group, I think, who have gone through master's programs remember that. That was um, a significant article. And they go, who? What? So they don't have a class that takes them through... Behaviorism for example older learning models. They ha they don't see the history of For example grammar based, you know the audio link these different the methods period mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and so what happens is that They don't see the cyclic nature In the same way that fashion is cyclical, they don't see the cyclical nature of teaching theory and how it gets modified and how it goes around and around in this outward spiral of building on previous things. So, for example, you know, to explain to them that, you know, years ago, the biggest innovation in teaching was task-based learning. But you don't see task-based learning anymore. What you do or hear, you hear task-based activities because people are beginning to understand finally that there is no one way of learning there is no one method that it's a hodgepodge it's a grouping it's a mixture of different kinds of teaching activities learning activities etc so what i'm trying to say is that they don't even get a history of language Mm. teaching so i have to you know show them that you know this is when basically the field is invented and you know, that great, um, the Google thing where you can, um, Ngram where you can put in and you get to see the history of word usage because they've scanned so many books and things. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I love that <clears throat> type in second language acquisition one day. It's really interesting. Hmm. And then go back and look at, um, you know, certain of these really famous essays, look at, you know, pit quarters, you know, significance of learner errors and look at Crashen's um, monitor theory, hypothesis. And, uh, it's really, really good. But anyway, what I mean to say is that it is scary. They don't think about the future. They're not being asked questions. So if I ask students, um, you know, uh, what what are the justifications for using a smartphone in the classroom? And almost none of the students see the smartphone as a computing device. I say, Would you allow a smartphone in the classroom and they say no. I said, Would you allow a computer in the classroom and they say yes. And then I say, why would you not allow the smartphones? to say, oh, students are going to be texting? And you know that? Remember how in the beginning people didn't trust students with computers? Because what was the big thing when we were working together at the one school? I was t- we were talking about using computers, and one of the professors said, but they'll go online and look for porn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. We're talking about the students, not the teachers. <laughs> right, right. It's, no, yeah, yeah. it's like,
1: how would you know that? That was not a comfort. <laughs> <my career. laughs> but again it's that you know the mistrust of the technology and the mistrust of a uh, students. so anyway so i'm done with my thing. so there i think it's your turn now right
0: my turn uh let's see um get like maybe a little nit- back down to like nitty-gritty stuff but um yes let's get away from this highfalutin theory stuff yeah. but uh but it but it but it but it kind of blends no surprise um Especially lower level students, but not not exclusively, uh, students all levels, they really benefit from good handouts. Um, I guess the, the current we we're talking about trends, right? The, the current trend is scaffolding. Um, but um to give them on paper uh some of the basics and, and the basics can vary, you know. Just like maybe things to talk about, and we before we started recording, we were talking about different kinds of materials and things. And I sent you a copy, and that's an, that, that that's kind of an example. It was, I think it was talking about um, uh, adverbs of frequency, and it's just a list of it's like maybe thirty things. It's like how often do you whatever? How often do you you know get your hair cut? How often do you see a movie? Um, it's just a list of thirty things. That's all, but so often the students are like in class they sorry guys <laughs> sorry kids don't have the ability to actually come up with things to talk about or they're incapable of like understanding that like their ordinary day-to-day activities are are the grist for what you should be talking about in class but giving them that list legitimizes that It relieves their brains from the pressure of trying to think of something to talk about and they can focus on actually saying what they need to do um a good list like that or a good handout um facilitates them taking that next step so, okay they don't need to think about discussion topics they can just talk about some this topic that's been given to them um and i have seen you know I've, i'm i've been doing that more and more and it's very interesting to see how much more the students are able to do when given that like a little, little bit of a boost. Right. And again, again the uh, the current term is scaffolding, but whatever you call it, a um, little, little helper to get them going. And mm-hmm. it, it makes a big difference. It makes oh, a huge yeah. difference.
1: Yeah. I think it's a great point, Tony, especially um, what you're talking about. A couple of things just to add to that. Number one is you can never, 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 um, not appreciate the importance of design
0: hmm.
1: in a in a handout or in your material. Yep. Right. Really you know, a lot of white space. A lot of white space. A lot of white space. <laughs> a lot <laughs> of white space. Make sure things are clear. Try to get some basic ideas of balance and composition because they're just overwhelmed. Right, when looking at things. Um sure. and there's also cultural differences here. I don't know if I, whether or not I'm guilty of cultural what is it, imperialism or hegemony or whatever. But you know
0: Own it, there, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, me okay. owning things,
1: that's something I would never
0: do. It's Japanese okay. Japanese websites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know where you're going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Own it. It's fine. You're we're right. <laughs> it's okay to it's okay there to accept that. A you are right difference in aesthetic
1: and under and also powerpoint slides there are completely different understandings of what constitutes good design and you know it doesn't make any sense in a country that is famous for you know design principles right but fascinating yeah it is really 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 (laughs) simplify 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 i you know i don't even i can go on for this one for hours but good design is really important but the other thing I was going to say, Tony, is one of the things I've learned, real nitty gritty thing, is if I have a list or if I have a work, I've moved away from worksheets and giving each student a worksheet, a piece of paper, yeah, 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 yeah. to putting it on the overhead, on the projector, uh-huh. so that no student is head down working alone. And if I do use handouts, let's say students are working in groups of four. It's one hand out, one hand up per group. Yes, 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 yes. So that they have to engage each other. Yes. they cannot. And that one little tweak, yep. will has totally transformed group interaction. I don't have any that I, You know, that's a problem with the textbook, right? You know, you go to page seventeen, right. fill out the textbook, right? And nobody's talking about this yet. It was it's, one of those things
0: you just thought we, we you mentioned earlier on. It's like things that we don't know that we know. Right. And it's like I'm talking about these handouts, and it's like, well, yeah, of course, it's only one per group. And, right, <laughs> didn't even didn't even are... make didn't think about it. It's like, well, yeah, duh, yeah okay, yeah, yeah. right, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's like I have my
1: my uh, cousin Paul. I mean, my cousin Paul is just like just like the smartest guy I have ever known in my life. I mean, and a really cool guy, great guy. And he just he, we were talking, and he's not a teacher, but he said to me, he says, "Why is everything I know so obvious <laughs> to me?" <laughs> And it was a great point. It was, what's mm. obvious to us is, again, you can never, ever right. um, diminish that. But, right, you know, for any teacher, again, for nov- if you're a novice teacher, if you want to be able to get, you know, how do you, they say, students will say, how do I increase group interaction? Well, stop handing out one paper per student. Mm. But they say, what about A, B? What about gap activities? I say, well, that's a little bit different, right? Mm. But then take the paper and, you know, fold it in half, Right. So they have to look because here's the thing I've found out is that if you create an activity or a worksheet and then the students can write on the worksheet, you're reducing the amount of writing they have to do. And Mm -hmm. I want to increase the amount of writing. So if I just give one sheet per class, the students actually aren't just filling in that one little space. Right. Mm. My favorite food is, and they write um, takoyaki, for example. Now what I find out is they're actually writing my favorite food is takoyaki, and I'm getting them reinforcing a lot of basic behaviors that I want. Mm. So there's so many benefits to just getting away from worksheets and, you know, having that one handout or putting everything on the board. It's really, really, yeah, there's no need for those textbook things. But your point about design, yeah, really, really important. Design it well simplify it make it clear right and it's easy to a b test right Mm -hmm. in one class you give out oh sure right and just say hey which one do you like well that's
0: that sometimes that's not that reliable either because you know you you've had this experience too you have you you try something in your first class, and you know, you got some, right, two yes. classes, and it's, and it's great. It's like, okay, this is fantastic. This is this, a this good charm. You know, I got it made in the shade. You give it to the second class, it's like bombs. <laughs> it's, like, it's a total disaster. It's like, what the hell? What the yeah, hell? The worst,
1: part, the worst part of that is with jokes, right? <laughs> you know, right? You know this one where you tell the joke in first period, and the class just—you can see the students just love it, right? Mm. And you go, okay, and I fine tuned the joke, and then you tell the joke to second period, and it's like dead silence, <laughs> even though you know they understand, right? Right. What is it that a comedian's wife was saying once? Um, I think my wife actually said this to me also, just by sheer chance, she came up with it by herself. Where she says, "Just because I don't laugh doesn't mean I don't get it." <laughs> <laughs> it's like ouch uh-huh. Uh-huh. but anyway the <laughs> idea of well designed and re- refine it it took me um, three years for example to um, here's an interesting thing it's a custom aside talking about design I don't know if it really matters but I've always been opposed to bullet points in my in slides and in visual aids mm-hmm. but I found students kept saying to me you should emphasize what's important using larger font and you know different colors and I was always trying to simplify and you know, do that you know, that real simplified, unified sense. And actually, so I changed my website around. So I actually now use bullet points and more indented bullet points, mm. and the students find that it's really makes it easier. So ask people what they mm. think, get some kind of input about the design of your activities because mm. your your handouts are really clear to you,
0: mm. right? Anyway,
1: I kind of sidetracked on that. No, you know?
0: no, no, that's a, that's right on, right on. That's a, that's I, good. It's good yeah. point.
1: Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. So those are some things I've learned. Oh, so the other It's thing, your turn again. Okay, yeah, here's a really <laughs> good metric for how well your teaching is going, is if you are talking more than your students, something's wrong. Even in a listening class.
0: Depending what, well, I don't know. A, how about a writing class?
1: Um, yeah you're yeah, I'd still hold by that, yeah, if you're talking more than the students are working together, something's wrong,
0: okay,
1: let me refine that because in a writing class, I want my students to be on task writing so that yeah I there can you go. do the okay. monitoring there but, you know you know that old thing, right, there's almost no uptake of teacher correction. Right, the students want you to correct their papers, find all their mistakes, and then they fix it in the paper
0: and, and, I, think, and I think that's maybe some research that needs revisiting that maybe one of those that's like maybe not be replicable. I'm not so sure, but uh yes, I have read that read, read those um, studies um, over, my over, anecdotal over.
1: evidence and what i've okay, here's what I've learned all right uh, okay, let me just uh, I have seen the students make the same mistake time and time again, and the best example is subject verb agreement, let's say okay okay. You'd agree, I think, that those yep. mistakes just keep happening.
0: Common, common, common.
1: Common. Why are you correcting it? You teach your students how to peer edit. Right. Because to peer edit, they have to be able to identify yes. that mistake. And by identifying the mistake. So even in a writing class, I want my students talking with each other more than I'm talking. I want them on task more than I'm talking. Um, so, But I don't teach any lecture classes. But and But if you have to talk a lot, make sure that you create time so that students can summarize and check with each other the understanding of what you said so do not go talk for 20 minutes at a time you know break it up into little chunks and say okay get together you know list what's were what the key points of what i just said in your groups figure out if there's something you didn't understand and ask me and that's something i have to keep reminding myself and i forget a lot but now that you know i'm mentioning i'm writing it down now do it that way so there that's my final thing i think for today's episode i want to stop there for me okay. But you. if you have other things, please run with it.
0: I've got um, just some I got something that could just be like shot off. Um, Go for it, fast. Reminder: When talking to your students, you won't believe <laughs> how important it is to speak slowly. slowly. You would and be clearly. you would be you would be horrified to fully be fully aware of how. Little you say registers. I was just, just, I want to just say that exactly true. It yeah, doesn't, compl- it, really you've you no do idea how little they understand
1: compared to what you think they understand. They're working Again, They're working so
0: hard. Yes. They're working so hard to get it. You really got to break it down. Yeah. If you want to be understood. Yeah. yeah. Um, Two fast ones. Don't forget to keep the, we talked, touched on this a little bit before in a roundabout way, but this specifically, don't forget to keep the gifted or the advanced students challenged. Mm. Um, you know, you can slow down like the, the bulk of the lesson, but the, the, your are your, your, you know, more advanced students, make an effort to keep that pipe full. Mm. Give them something new, give them like some some kind, you know, whether it's vocabulary, etymology, whether it's slang, whether it's like a nuance of usage, um, give them some some nourishment um, keep their pipe full, put something on their plate too. Regardless, you know, you hold your classes like, Oh, well, this is a site for, you know, you know, you know, for, you know, you Hiroshi and, and Sachi, um, you know, this is this, you wouldn't use it in this situation. you use it, blah, 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 blah. Okay. And then go back to the lesson, you know, give them something to masticate on. <laughs> um, and I guess maybe like a nice final, final, final thing. Um, students do change, uh, and over the course of the year, or sometimes if you're lucky, two two years, uh, students do change and they do grow, and you can be the teacher can be a significant agent of that change. Play the um, long game. What? Yes, yes, and it's it's one of the true joys of the profession is that yeah, you can make a difference in people's lives, and um, it's. It's a it's a responsibility that I think needs to be taken seriously, and it's and it's one of the most rewarding things about the profession. I think that really, uh, it's you know, it's what gets you up in the morning, gets you on that damn train. Okay. Um, yeah, you can make a difference in people's lives, and hey, what better job is that? And I would just want to add
1: one thing to that, and I think this is a great way to end it. <laughs> if you as a teacher can positively impact one student's life per year, you have done a really excellent job. I really feel that. If you can positively impact, you know, take that one student who is sad, maybe depressed and show them that there's a little bit, a way for them to learn how to cope with their depression. If there's a student who doesn't have confidence about their ability to learn and you can help them learn to be confident, if you could do that to one student per year, think about how that person's going to be able to help somebody else. So I just want to end it. I think that just alone one student. And if you're doing it to two or three or four, um, wow. <laughs> I tip my hat to you. Anyway, that's what I feel.
0: Oh, well, there we are.
1: And there we are. My name's Charles Wiz. <laughs> <laughs> that's it.
0: I mean, what else yeah. can you say? I mean, that is, I think that, Tony, that, you that made a really it. great
1: point. You really did make a good point. And, um, I think you're really right, and so many times people tell us that our only job is to teach English, and as, no, you're not a teacher. Yeah, I was just going
0: to say, I mean, when you got done with that, like, well, yeah, how, but does that really help their TOEIC scores?
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, think of it. Remember, remember, when somebody asks you what you do, don't say you're a teacher. Say you're an educator. Hmm. Define yourself as an educator, not a teacher, because it's a broader, more wide-ranging term, I think, anyway. And okay. I will
0: uh to the to the notes uh, on on the webpage, I will add a link. I'm gonna make a note to it right now. Uh to that, that podcast. But also, I don't know that I'm sure you've seen it. I'm sure you've seen it. It's uh the guy's name is Derek Severs? Sivers? I don't know. Um that's, maybe not that, uh, that's not the guy. That's that that's uh but anyway, b- big on Ted. The Ted Talks. Okay. Uh, there's another guy. It, it's not Derek Sievers. It's it's somebody else, and I can't remember his name. But I'll put the link on the page.
1: About what? What's his topic?
0: Um, he's a teacher, and uh, he's at a dinner, and uh, there are lawyers there, and they're making just like uh, teachers. And if you if you if you can't do, you teach.
1: Oh, that old line, right? People right. And do, he says, it's like, hey,
0: listen, listen, John or whatever his name is. Is like, be honest. What do you make? And I wish he you know, wish he hadn't said that. Says, because if you ask me to be on, <laughs> be honest, I will I'm going to be honest. And if you ask for an ass kicking, I'm gonna give you an ass kicking. And he says, as I wish he not you know, asked me to be honest. And it's like I he says, I make, and then he goes through this whole list of things that he makes his students do. And at the end of his like his uh, rant, he says, I make a difference. What about you? <laughs> to the lawyers. Yes. It's a it's a wonderful little skit. It's like, like one minute long, but I show it to oh, you yeah. kids. Oh yeah, put that. Put I'll, that put on link, I'll put the I'll put the link on it. That. It's 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 my, it's, it's my, wonderful for any te- All you teachers listening, get g- 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 go go watch this. It will um, it'll bring a tear to your you. eye. It'll, ins- it'll be well, it'll what inspire a great line. You.
1: Next time somebody yeah. says, "So how much do you make?" What do you year? make? What, what do, you, do make? you make? I make, I make a, a difference. difference. Yeah. What about you? How much do you make? Even how much do you make? I make a difference. Yeah. I make a difference in people's lives, hopefully. Yeah. How about you? What a great one. oh, let's end there. There you go. <laughs> okay. Two teachers talking. At Two Teachers Talking plus Alpha.
0: <laughs> yeah. Dot com at gmail dot com. Skype Two Teachers Talking. Give us a shout. And
1: by the way, if you want, give us a rating too. So yep. we get some feedback to know there how we're go. doing. We, yeah. we could really use some ratings and reviews to know how to improve. We'd appreciate it, and that'll tell other people whether or not listening to this podcast is worth their time.
0: Yeah, and uh, we're uh, we got the webpage. We're on iTunes and we're on SoundCloud.
1: We're on SoundCloud now. Thank there you, you for that. Thank you for that, Shaw. Sure. Okay, you be well.
0: All right, you too.
1: Bye.